Did everyone notice the very beautiful Christmas decorations all throughout the church? I, I did that myself. <laughs> we, we actually I wanted to thank everyone. We had a wonderful team that came, and we, we actually had a good time. And it's actually a lot of work, uh, a lot of work involved. But the, the team that did it, just thank you so much for what you guys do. Uh, it is a wonderful talent. I have no idea how to make things nice or pretty. My house would look like a dump if it wasn't for my wife. But uh, very thankful for the people that do all that. Um, also, wanted to let you know, too, another thank you to all the, uh, a few weeks ago, we did the Salvation Army bell ringers. Um, we rang the bell, the kettlebell. Um, wanted to thank you for that. Uh, they did send us an email thanking us for our participation and for that day um, of New Hope ringing the kettlebell, we raised almost $500 that day for the Salvation Army. So thank you to all of those of you that were involved in that. Okay, let's, let's get to the word. Um, I hope you don't mind, but I, I'm kind of going to continue on with where I left off last week. Um, I know, you know with some of us a, a week ago can be a long time. We can't remember what in the world happened last Sunday. So I'll, I'll refresh your memory really quickly. Um, well, this is going to be somewhat of a part two to what I talked about last week. Um, actually, last Sunday night I went to bed, and, you know, with, with my job, um, I know Pastor Joe would agree with me, my job, you're always thinking about the next Sunday or, or the next sermon you have to preach and just kind of the way your mind works. And last Sunday night I went to bed and was thinking about this Sunday, I was thinking about this morning, and it's almost immediately, uh, I, I just felt the stirring of the Lord kind of saying, you know, there's a, there's a lot to what you just went over that, that needs gone over. Uh, again, so you know, that God just kind of confirmed that even last Sunday night as I went to bed. Um, but if you remember, I talked about as it was in the days of Noah. Um, we talked about Matthew chapter 24, which is the Olivet Discourse. You know, that's what the Bible theologians call that. That's when Jesus was talking with his disciples on the Mount of Olives, and they had asked him, what, what will the signs of your second coming be? Or when is the end of the world going to be? And, and Jesus launches into this long diatribe that makes up Matthew chapter 24. Hopefully you read that sometime this week. If not, please do it this week sometime. It is good to be familiar with all the things in that chapter because there's all kind of wonderful things, lots of clues of signs that may be coming leading up to the second coming, leading up to the end of the age, and leading up to end time events. Um, so we talked about a lot of that last week. Um, Jesus lists all kinds of signs and clues and things that will be happening and will be coming. And we focused on one of those. You know, Matthew, Matthew chapter 24 has tons and tons of stuff in it. We can't look at all of it. We're not going to look at all of it again today. But we looked last week, we looked at one of those things, as in the days of Noah. Uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 37 says, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. You remember they're eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the flood came and took them all away. Jesus was saying to his disciples, it's going to be similar to that. The second coming, the end of the world will be similar to to what you saw in the days of Noah. 
And we spent a great deal of time in that last week. If you can remember those characteristics of the people in the days of Noah, the sinfulness that was in the world during the days of Noah. We, we had really, we had four main characteristics that we went over last week. There was tremendous, tremendous wickedness in all the earth. If you remember, there was also evil imaginations. And, and the imaginations that came from their mind and their heart, the Bible says, was only evil continually. Then it also said there's lots of corruption. The earth was filled with corruption and the earth was filled with violence. Those are the four characteristics that we saw last week when we looked at the days of Noah. And then if you remember, we, we looked at those days of Noah and then we looked around at what we see, just a few examples, at what we see going on in the earth today. You know, I, I come to the conclusion, you know, maybe you could disagree with me, that's fine. But, but I come to the conclusion that we have those same four characteristics manifesting themselves in our nation. The wickedness, the evil imagination, the violence, and the corruption. You know, when we see those things back then and God's judgment fell, Jesus was telling his disciples in that Olivet Discourse, he's saying, hey, when you look back at that and you see what they went through, when you see that happening, know that the end is near. Know that the second coming is near. So we ended up coming to the conclusion that we are close. We are close. Matthew chapter 24, 33, we read this as, So likewise ye, this is Jesus, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the door. So Jesus is saying, when you see all these things manifesting themselves, these, these clues, these warnings, these hints that I've left you, because he didn't leave us in the dark, when you see all these things happening, know that it is close even at the door. And, and that's, that's pretty much how we concluded last Sunday. That we, we know that we are close. We're seeing it. I, I believe, even if you talk to unsaved people, people that are not Christians, people that don't know the Word, people that don't study, people that don't come to church, if you talk to some of them, even they know something's going on. Something ain't right. There's, there's something's going on. They know that. No, I, I believe that's just the Spirit of God trying to warn people and to stir people and to speak to people. You know, no, no one knows exactly when, but I, I believe that we are close. Now, there's, there's really there's a whole other half um, to the story of the days of Noah that we didn't look at, which I'd like to look at today. Um, you know, every time you look at the Bible, you know, whether it's a parable or uh, a scripture, you, know, you, you can't just talk about it once and then it's covered for the rest of your life. No, there's, there's so many layers in the Bible that it's like you peel one off and you find something else. You dig into this and you find something else. That's how the whole entire Bible is. So just because last week we, we went over the days of Noah doesn't mean now we understand everything. There's no more need to look at it again. No, no, no. There's, there's way more to everything in the Bible. There's a, in my opinion, there's a whole other half to the story, which we'll get to today. But just before we do that, let's turn our attention back to that Olivet Discourse. I think you hear me saying that a lot, but, but this time we're going to look at it recorded in the Gospel of Luke. We have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are four perspectives written by four different people on the same thing, the Gospels. Okay, but so today, let's look at the same thing. In the book of Luke, uh, chapter 17, and we're going to start in verse 26. Now, this should sound familiar to you. It says, and as it was in the days of Noah, 
so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. There's that warning again. There's that clue. There's that sign. It's, it's the same thing that we read in Matthew, recorded here in Luke. Jesus is telling his disciples that the end of the world, the, the sign of the second coming, the sign of the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. Should sound very familiar to us. Now, maybe you're thinking, you know, we, we went over this. You're sounding redundant. We went over this last week. Well, I, I wanted to start in Luke this week because, you know, with, with each person's perspective of the gospel, you know, the four gospels, there are just are some different things. One, one, I mean, it's written by different people. They're not robots. So what was written in Matthew, there might be a slightly different perspective in uh, Luke. So I wanted you to, to, to read this in Luke because we're going to continue reading. Let's, let's look at uh, Luke chapter 17, verse 28, the very next verse. Likewise, now remember the context in which we're reading. Jesus, his disciples had said, when's, when's this end of the world going to be? When's the sign of the second coming going to be? So this is the context in which we're reading. It says, likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot. So here's another example. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, and they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So we, we have this story of the days of Noah. Jesus says, go back and look at that. And now here in Luke, it's recorded, Jesus not only says like the days of Noah, he says, but it's just like the days of Lot. In the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, he's saying, go back and look at those things. And whatever was going on then, when they start to match with current events, know that it's near. Know that the second coming, that the coming of the Son of Man is going to be similar to that. Maybe not exactly the same, but very similar to that. So, we're not going to do exactly what we did last week with closely examining the days of Noah. And I'm not going to closely examine the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. We, we kind of did that last week with Noah. But it, it's such a similar situation. The, the Bible actually says that the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah were very grievous to God. You, you know, God is up to, He sees everything that's going on on this earth. He sees all of our deeds, all of our actions, all the things we say, our thought life, everything. He sees all this stuff. And out of these cities called Sodom and Gomorrah, their sin was very grievous, meaning it was bothering God. What they were doing was bothering God very bad. And we know that God is merciful and long-suffering. So whatever these cities were doing, they were doing it, and they kept on doing it. They would refuse to listen to God, refused any type of righteousness. They rejected God fully, and it was starting to bother God. It was very grievous to him. Sodom and Gomorrah practiced immense sexual immorality. Okay, that, that, is, that is pretty much the, the, the main characteristic of the people of that day in, in those cities. Very, very sexually perverse. All kinds of perverse sexual acts committed in Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, God had sent these two angelic men. I know many of you are probably familiar with this story, but God sent these two angelic-like men down there, and he said, check into these cities. 
Because if this stuff's going on like I think it's going on, I'm going to have to deal with it. I'm going to have to execute judgment. And he wants a report from these two men. When these two men entered, we won't read all of it, but when these two men entered Sodom and Gomorrah, the, the Bible actually says that all the men from the entire city gathered. It actually says from every quarter. And it actually says not only from every quarter of the city, but it also says all the young and old. All ages from all around, they all came because they saw these men come into Lot's house. Lot shut the gate, and they come and they start banging on his gate, and they're demanding Lot, hey, bring these two men out to us because they want to do these perverse sexual acts with these angelic-like men. Who knows what their depraved minds were thinking. They tried to break Lot's uh, gate down even. They were banging on it. They were pressing upon Lot. Lot actually goes out to them and he offers them his virgin daughters. And they actually reject Lot's virgin daughters. You know, I remember reading this years and years ago. You know, a young teenager, 20, 25 years ago, even 30 years ago, I would read this. And, and it was, you know, I believed it in faith, but it seemed sort of far-fetched. Like, who, who's going to reject the babes? You know, you bring the babes, everyone wants the babes, you know. How could these people reject the women? And, and they, they're so sexually perverse that they reject women because they want to do these whatever weird acts with these angelic men. It almost seemed, I'm not saying I didn't believe it, I did believe it in faith. You know, these men rejecting women because they wanted to have these men and do these sexually perverse acts. And, you know, 30 years ago it seemed maybe a little far-fetched, but it doesn't seem very far-fetched anymore now, does it? Our nation is so perverse. The things that we see going on are so perverse. Now when I read that, it doesn't take any faith at all for me to believe it. It's like, yep, I see that stuff going on. I don't know if, have any of you seen some of the way that these grown men and women dress during some of these rallies? Have any of you seen some of this Stuff I have seen grown men, I have seen grown women dress like they are sexual organs. Has, has anyone seen this perverse stuff? They dress like sexual organs and they parade around just as proud as could be. Just as proud as could be. I, I even feel somewhat ashamed saying that inside of a church building. Sh shouldn't be talking about things like that. But we see this happening in our nation. There is a boldness. There is a brazenness to it. I've seen where these people dress that way and then even incorporate their, their family, their children in some of these perverse displays, or what, whatever in the world you call them. I, I've seen men... Men dressed in mere strings with their private parts barely even covered up, just as proud as could be, marching around and doing their thing. Brothers and sisters, we, we live in a very, very sexually perverse nation. Very, very sexually perverse nation. Uh, what was once embarrassing and what was once taboo and kept private now is paraded around in the streets. You know, so... When, New Ho or when the Bible tells me that Sodom and Gomorrah, the, the men were so perverse that they rejected women to, to have these angels, I believe it. I believe it. Because I see the depravity 
in man. There, there is no bottom. You realize there is no bottom to mankind's depravity. It, it doesn't bottom out. Just when you think it bottoms out, wait around a little bit because it'll get worse. It'll get worse. So the angels end up getting Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah, and God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah. Listen, Genesis chapter 19, verse 24 says this. It says, Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of those cities and that which grew upon the ground. God wiped Sodom and Gomorrah clear off the map. You know, I always like to look at archaeological type things. You know, I know some of you guys send some of that stuff to me. I've looked at lots of videos. There's actually YouTube videos you can go and watch that people try to discover where Sodom and Gomorrah were. And there are places over there where we believe those cities were that you can find uh, big sulfur-like deposits embedded into the rock. And I've saw, seen guys light them with like a lighter and they, they burst into flames. And, and those are where we think those cities were. We can only think that because whatever happened, God wiped them clear off the map and the remains are completely destroyed. So we think we know where they're at, but whatever happened back then, brothers and sisters, God's judgment fell. You understand, when his judgment falls, it is swift and it is final. Luke chapter 17, verse 29 says, But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, and it rained fire and brimstone from heaven, and destroyed them all. Destroyed them all. Brothers and sisters, we don't want to be on the receiving end of God's judgment. No way. God's judgment is very swift and it is very final. And it is very righteous. You know, I, I don't know how you feel deep down inside of you, but I, I just get this inkling, this, this feeling that God's hand of judgment isn't far away. I just feel that way. It's, it's, it's not. Maybe you can call me crazy or weirdo or whatever you want to say, but I, I get this sense that the hand of judgment, it, it can't be far away. Do you know the perverse things that go on in our nation? It's not like God is up in heaven saying, eh, no big deal, eh, it's no big deal. This stuff that we do every day bothers God. The stuff that America does, and now we're proud of it, bothers God. It's, it has to be very grievous to Him. The sexual immorality, the corruption, the violence, the bloodshed, it's very grievous to a holy God, to a very pure God. The stuff that our nation does bothers Him. There's no way He's up in heaven saying everything's fine, everything is okay. I believe he's starting to get angry, that he's starting to be bothered by it. And, and, and I don't think we want to see the judgment of God. Hmm. Remember, just like last week with the days of Noah, we're looking at Sodom and Gomorrah in the context of Jesus' warning that this is what it will be like in the coming the days of the coming of the Son of Man. It will be like that, Jesus said. It'll be like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. You'll see all kinds of sexual perversion. And we see this in our nation. 
to me, there's no argument about it. We see it. Has anyone ever looked at statistical data of STDs, sexually transmitted diseases in our nation? Anyone looked at some of that data? Now, I won't bore you with all of it, but you can look at it. It's what I would call it's relatively manageable until you hit that era of the sex, the drugs, and the rock and roll in the 60s. We had that sex, drugs, and rock and roll revolution in the 60s, and then all of our STDs just start to skyrocket. They're, now it's out of control. It's out of control. That those are signs of a sexually perverse nation, okay? Those are hard evidences of sexual perversion. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll let you look up those statistics for yourself. To me, there's no question about the, the sexual immorality that's going on in our nation. You know, again, when I look at these signs, it leads me to believe that God's judgment is coming upon this nation. I, I know that's not fun to hear. Maybe it's not very Christmas festive, but that is honestly what I believe, that judgment is coming upon this nation. We, we already see, how many of us can see the removal of God's hand of blessing on this nation? We can see it's a, it's a removal. This nation used to be leaders and innovators. In the whole entire world, the globe, we were an example. And God's removing all of that. Removing all of that. And it's disappearing. It's fading. We, this nation has rejected the Lord. We have told Him, we're God, not you. We have told God that we don't need you. We have told God we don't want you. We have told God in no uncertain terms, get out. Get out of our schools. Get out of our churches. Get out of our government. Get out. That is what we've told God. We, we do everything that he says not to do in this book. We do it and we are proud of it. We boast of it. Now, it, 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 does, it vexes me. I know that it vexes many of you to look around and to see what's going on in this nation, it's very vexing. We see the sin and the darkness all around us. And I know maybe many of you will agree with this statement, but I kind of feel like it, it leaves the people of God, those of us who do believe in this, those of us who do pray and seek His face, it, it leaves us in a bit of a precarious situation now, doesn't it? When we see all this darkness going on around us, when we see the sexual immorality, when we see the, the vulgar things that Hollywood produces, when we see all the, the evil in our land, it, 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 I feel like me and my family, my church family, my church friends, all the other Christians in this nation, we're in a bit of a precarious situation. I kind of feel like things could get a little dicey from here on out for the church, for the Christians. For you and I, however, earlier I mentioned that there's a whole other half to the story of the days of Noah. And, and even a whole other half to the, to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. There, there's something we haven't looked at in all those stories yet. You know, when we look at the days of Noah, like we did last week, and then this week a little bit we mentioned Sodom and Gomorrah. When we look at that, there, there's something I haven't brought up yet. When we look at those situations, we do see the sin. We do see the destruction. We do see God's judgment 
We, we see the destruction in all the, the people that God wiped clear off the map. The cities He wiped clear off the map. We see those when we look back and we look at those stories. But what I haven't mentioned in those scary situations, the days of Noah, Sodom and Gomorrah, is, is when God wipes people off the map, what I haven't mentioned is what happened to the people that did love God. We haven't looked at that half of it yet. What happened to the people that did love God in the days of Noah? What happened to the, the, the people that did genuinely love the Lord it, who lived in those cities, Sodom and Gomorrah? Listen to me. The ungodly, they were judged and they faced the wrath of a holy God. But the people of God were saved from the wrath of God. That, that's the other half to the story that we didn't look at. We haven't looked at it. Noah was saved Noah's family was saved Lot was saved Lot's family was saved with the exception of his wife who turned back was turned to a pillar of salt but that's just because she wanted to go back anyway but that's the part we didn't cover last week we haven't talked about that yet this week God knows how to deliver his people God knows how to navigate His people through times of uncertainty. God knows how to pour out His wrath on the unbelievers and the unrighteous and those that reject Him. And He knows how to protect those who still believe in Him. God knows what He's doing. He knows how to deliver. He knows how to protect. So when Jesus gives us these clues... When he tells his disciples, go back and look at the days of Noah. When he tells his disciples, go back and look at the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. He not only wants us to see the, the might and the majesty of God and how that he can pour out his wrath and cause destruction like we've never seen. He can wipe cities off the map. He can wipe people clear off the map. But Jesus is also saying, look what happened to those people that believed. Look what happened to the people that trusted, that, that held on to this until the end. They were saved. They were delivered. He wants us to not only observe the destruction and the sinfulness, but he wants us to observe what happens to the people that held on to the word. And remember, he's saying, it'll be like that at the end of the world. It'll be like that at the second coming. It'll be like that at the coming of the Son of Man. That people are going to be wiped out, but the believers will be saved. They'll be saved. They'll be delivered. They will escape the wrath of God. He's saying that the second coming will be the same way. The, the unrighteous will be destroyed. They'll be judged. They'll be punished. But the righteous will be saved. Now that, that encourages me so much this morning. I, I shared this um, a, a week ago or so with the prayer group on Wednesday where we meet every Wednesday and we pray there's a, a chapter in the Bible that actually summarizes and confirms everything I've preached last week and, and thus far this week and I'd like to go over that and this chapter has really been speaking to me lately and I hope that it speaks to you um, but it's found in 2nd Peter chapter 2 and we're going to start reading in verse 4 Again, I'll encourage you to read Matthew chapter 4. Oh, excuse me, read Matthew chapter 24. Read Luke chapter 17. Now here's another one. Read 2 Peter chapter 2. The books of 
1 Peter and 2 Peter are fantastic. I encourage you to familiarize yourself with them. But now, now we're going to read 2 Peter chapter 2. We'll start in verse 4. But as we read, this is going to summarize everything. It's going to confirm everything that we just talked about in the last couple weeks. Peter says this in verse 4. It says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto punishment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man, dwelling among them, in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Now we'll stop there for a moment, but if you see what, what, second, what Peter is doing here, he's given us examples. Here he's given us three examples of judgment. Okay, Three examples of when God judgment fell. Now, remember, we do not want to be on the receiving end of God's judgment. Okay, We want to escape God's judgment. Three examples. Uh, the, the first example that, that we just read was, For if God spared not the angels that sinned. Now, I'm not going to get into this very deeply, but this is talking about the angels that, however it happened in heaven, they, they turned from God and they followed Lucifer. They followed Satan. Um, actually, Jude, the book of Jude, elaborates just slightly on that. In verse 6, says, And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. So we have Lucifer and all of his followers that turned on God. It, God judged them. Where are they now? They're kicked out of heaven and they're going to suffer the wrath of God one of these days on, on the judgment of the great day, the Bible says. They've been reserved in these everlasting chains. So there's our first example of the wrath of God. He judged those angels. They turned on God. God kicked them out. Okay? That's the first example of judgment. Even angels. Okay, this, the second example that I just read in Peter was the days of Noah, the, the old world in the days of Noah, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth, pre the eighth person. So there's another example. God's pouring out his judgment on a wicked, wicked world, and he floods the world. The third example that Peter gives us in judgment fell on the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, in turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemning them with an overthrow. They were destroyed as an example to all those that come after them that are going to live ungodly. So those are the three examples of judgment. Okay, Peter is listing them as an example. that Even angels can't escape it. But what Peter is also doing is showing that if you obey the Lord, if you follow this in humility that you can escape the wrath of God. For example, where today, where are the angels that didn't sin? They're still up there with him, right? They're still up there doing his bidding, doing whatever he wants them to do, doing whatever angels do. They're still up there with God. They escaped that. And they're not reserved in chains unto everlasting judgment. 
They're not. Nope. For those angels that didn't sin, that didn't turn, no problem. They will not face the wrath of God. No judgment for them. In, in the second example, from Noah, Genesis 6 tells us that Noah was a just man. He was just before the eyes of God. It also tells us that Noah found grace in the eyes of God. So he was just and he found grace. He was a good man. It also says that Noah walked with God. You know what that means to walk with God? It's just the same way we walk with God today. Every day we wake up and it is a journey with our Savior. Noah walked with God. So for Noah, when God's wrath came, no problem. He was saved. He was spared. His family was spared. They were saved. In the third example that Peter gave us, the land of Sodom and Gomorrah, for Lot, Lot was saved. So when God executed his judgment on those sexually perverse cities, for Lot, no problem. He escaped the wrath of God. He escaped the judgment of God. Lot was vexed with their sins. He couldn't hardly take it. It weighed upon him. I know it weighs upon many of you this morning living in the land we live in. We're vexed. It weighs heavy on us. Lot could hardly take it. Their conversation, their behavior, the things that they practiced vexed him. So God poured out his wrath on those cities. You remember, Abraham couldn't even find ten righteous people in those cities. Couldn't even find ten righteous people. That's how perverse it was. And judgment fell, but Lot was saved. Lot was saved. And then Peter sums it up with this. We'll read this verse 9 in 2 Peter chapter 2. It says, The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. You know what that says in the New or new International Version, the NIV, it says the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. Do you understand that God knows how to rescue us? Do you understand that really our only concern right now should be, am I serving God? Is my name written in the Lamb's book of life? Our concern as a church body should be the salvation of others all around us. That should be our concern. Because I believe that the judgment of God is coming, but we don't have to fear the judgment of God as His people if we remain His people because we will escape. He'll make a way for us. He will protect us. You understand, God knows exactly what He's doing. When I, when I see things happening and you hear, hey, do you hear this is happening now or that's happening now or we see news coming out, to me, it is confirming everything in this book that ever was written. It's confirming it over and over and over. I, I just find it so odd that the Bible says in the last days people will forbid to marry. Do, do you know that we see that running rampant? Nobody's getting married anymore. Why get married anymore? You, you know that... Uh, the, the Bible says that people will abstain from meats. You, you see this big giant uh, vegan revolution and it's almost like they'll try and demonize you if you eat meat. I just find it odd that the Bible said these things and we see them happening. We see them happening before our very eyes. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. The Lord knows how to rescue His people from trials. 
but he also knows how to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. That's scary. You know, a lot of times that's, that's the part about God that you don't hear about. You don't hear about the part of God that he will, he can, and he is going to execute judgment. He is. My wife and I listened to a Bible study a little while ago, and I had to tell her, the Bible study ain't no good. It's no good. Because everything in it, God was love. Everything loves everybody. Everything is good. And you just hug somebody. Everything is good. There is a severity to God. There is. There is a severity. I am warning you about it now. We're seeing these things happening in our nation. And as a pastor, I'm saying, it says these things are going to manifest themselves in these last days. Uh, my conclusion is God's going to pour out His judgment. He's going to pour out His judgment. That there is a day when mercy will be cut off. God is not a divine fool up in heaven that we can buffalo Him all the time. He's not just love all the time. Oh, everything is good to God. That's not who He is. The Bible says God is just. He executes judgment. And I don't think we know that part of Him. We don't, we don't know the holiness of God. We're learning about it on Sunday nights in Revelation. We're seeing these, these beasts and these creatures constantly, forever and ever, never take a break from worshiping Him, from, from slamming down themselves face down, and they worship God constantly. It happens, it's a routine, constantly they worship Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who is and was and forevermore will be. He is a holy God and sin bothers Him very badly. It bothers Him. And brothers and sisters, I hope you aren't caught up in any filth of this world. I hope it doesn't have its hooks in you. I hope it doesn't. You know, even in Lot's case... Lot must have been a dummy. He, he really must have been a dumb man. You say, why, why do you say that? Because these angels came. First of all, as angels show up at my house, I'm going to be like, whoa. But angels show up at Lot's and they say, Lot, hasten, get out. God's going to destroy this. But the Bible actually says that Lot lingered still. And the Bible actually goes on to say that, and while he kept lingering, the angels laid hold of him. Meaning they grabbed him and they actually had to physically yank him out. That's how merciful God was to his people. Even though Lot was kind of dumb and not listening very good, he was still one of God's people. To the point where he sent his angels, they grabbed him and physically, get out, it's going to be destroyed. Hmm. God knows how to protect you. The Lord knows how to deliver us. He does. The Lord knows how to spare us from wrath. Now, I, I believe we're going to see some scary things. We might go through some scary times, but we'll be underneath the shelter of His wing. Amen? Now, I'm going to start to bring this to a close. Uh, if Rod and the band would make their way back, before everyone starts hooting and hollering and gets happy because... You know, the pastor says we'll be saved, we'll be delivered. And you know, we, we dismiss all these warnings that the Bible gives us as everything is all right. See, everything's all right. We're, God's going to take care of us. He's, he's going to protect us. We don't have to worry about anything. Before everyone jumps to that conclusion this morning that that's what I'm saying, it's not what I'm saying. Because I see something else. When I look back on the days of, of Noah, 
when, when I look back on the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, I notice some very disproportionate numbers. I see that the number of saved people as compared to the number of unsaved people is very disproportionate. Meaning there's a whole awful lot of them on this side and there's very, very few of them on this side. I see that there's a whole lot more people that get destroyed than there is that get saved. You know what Matthew chapter 7 verse 14 says this. It says because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads unto life. And few there be that find it. Very few find the straight and narrow way. I hate to say this, but when God pours out His wrath upon this nation, when He pours out His judgment, there's going to be millions upon millions upon tens of millions, hundreds of millions even, that will be swept away, just like they were with the flood, just like they were when the fire and the brimstone came. And there's actually only going to be a very few of us that are actually saved. So yes, God knows how to deliver His people, but there's only going to be a few of us. There's only going to be a few of us. There's only going to be a few of us that, that have no real attachment to this world. I, I hope that you're not attached to this world. I, I believe that's what God is doing now. Is he's, he's taking His people and He's severing the attachments we have to this world. You know, I, I preached months ago about how you know, all the things that, that I maybe were interested in or or wanted to endeavor in my life, it's like they're just all shriveling up and dying. All these interests that I maybe once had, or, or the luster that the world once had, it, it's just shriveling up and it's dying. And you get to a point when you start studying this word, the world has nothing to offer. It has nothing to offer. If you're a true, born-again believer, what I call an authentic, biblical Christian, and this world, it, it just has nothing to offer anymore. Got nothing. No shine for me. Nothing that I want to chase after. I actually pray that's your heart this morning. Yes, we have to keep working and making a living and doing our best and make good decisions and honor God with all that we do. And yes, we have to keep pushing forward. The Bible commands us to tarry until He comes. We're not supposed to be escapists. We're not supposed to quit. We're supposed to keep going until He comes. Brothers and sisters, I hope that we can take these clues and these hints that the Lord Jesus gives us in the days of Noah, the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. We can see that that is how our nation is today. We all can agree that His judgment is coming. But if you're a true, born-again, authentic, biblical Christian, you have adopted in you the faith that what Jesus did on the cross has saved you. The, the blood of Jesus, I like how the blood of Jesus is actually the atonement for our sins. It atones, it makes amends for the wrongs that we did. That's why the blood of Jesus is always important. The most precious liquid ever to exist is the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, we confess on that. We confess on Jesus it, it fulfilled the law. He came and was sinless. And man, I believe on Him. I believe on Him with all my heart. 
I believe on Him so much that He is my only chance of heaven. He is my only chance of escaping wrath, the wrath of God. He is your only chance. Listeners on YouTube, listeners on Facebook, Jesus Christ is your only chance to escape. Faith in Him, belief in Him, confession in Him is your only chance to escape the coming wrath of God. Let's pray. Father God, we love You. We thank You so much, Lord, for the Olivet Discourse. We thank You so much for the Gospels, Lord, that record it. And they're here for us to learn. They're here to teach us, to, to grow. And Lord, You have not left us in the dark. You've given us clues, Lord, and hints. And Lord, we, we look back and we examine the days of Noah. We examine the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. And we see the, the same things happening in our nation, Lord God. And Lord, I know that the things that this nation does, I know they have to be very grievous to you. They have to be bothering you, for you are a holy and pure God. Lord, I only pray, Lord, that this serves as a warning to your people that will all the more serve you, will all the more witness, Lord, will all the more live out our faith that we'll be unashamed, Lord God, will all the more cling to the word that you've given us, Lord God. Oh, for it is the only remaining truth in our land is the biblical truths that we have that you've given us in your Bible. It's the only truth we got left, Lord. Have your people, teach your people to cling to it, I pray, Lord. Lord, I just pray if there be anyone unsaved, Lord, listening online, if there be anyone unsaved in here, Father God, that today would be the day that you change their heart, Lord God. Change their heart, Lord God. Do a miracle. The greatest miracle that you can do is change an evil person into a righteous person. Making an unrighteous person a righteous person. Lord, it all starts with us realizing that we are sinners in need of a Savior. Oh God, help anyone in this world, anyone listening, wherever they're at, Lord God. Even those listening, maybe in the future, Lord, it may play this video years from now, Lord. I pray that they call out on your name right now, Lord. And they receive the regenerating power of Jesus' blood into their life right now, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Let's please stand as the band leads us in worship. Remember.